are listening to Get Real Podcast. Well, with us, we've got uh, Shane Todd and Gianni Capaletti with us from Brotherhood Band in Maryland. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Oh, man, it's really exciting to have you on, especially after you uh, helped us out with the Black Friday edition of yeah, the Get Real Podcast. Uh, you guys actually went into the studio for us and recut Disappointment, and that, that came out really, really good. So... Uh, we got a whole bunch of questions for you about your band, and we have a lot of different listeners to the Get Real program. We've got people that are believers. We got people that aren't believers. We got people that are here that are just for the metal. We got people that listen to us because they hate us, and other people <laughs> that listen to us because we love us. So we got the wide spectrum, and not everybody is uh, is familiar with metalcore. But before we get into that, uh, the description of your band is a four-piece band of brothers. Now, I see that Gianni, uh, uh, you've got another guy there in the band who plays drums named Dimitri. Is he your brother? Yeah, he's my he's my blood brother. And actually, Shane is my half-brother, so he's got a different last name. But we are, in fact, brothers. The other guy, Jay, he's not related to us. He's not. Okay. Honorary so, adoptee. Honorary adoptee. So if I go out and get a 23andMe and, 23 and me kit right now and go get my DNA tested, how many hundred thousands of uh, a DNA strand do I need to be a member of the band? Um, Zero. Zero? <laughs> Dan and I were saying, well, we're all related to Adam anyway, yeah, so sure. <laughs> if this gig doesn't work out, we're going to be packing our bags and coming up to Maryland with with you guys. So that's that's awesome. So you're good. you guys are a metalcore band, sub-gen- and that's a subgenre of heavy metal. And usually when you're going up and down the radio dial, you don't come across metalcore. Now, sometimes you do. Down here in Charleston, if you tune into one of the radio stations like at 1130 at night when nobody's listening, you'll, you'll hear some. But how did you guys uh, come across metalcore? Um. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start. I started um, listening to metalcore. My first uh, concert ever was back in 2005 or six, and it was a uh, bullet for my Valentine. Okay. Um, I only went because a buddy of mine was, was big into them and asked if I wanted to go, and I'd never been to a concert, so I figured why not. And um, it, it rocked my world and definitely opened my eyes up that to the, the fact that there's more music than just what you hear on, on the radio, like you said. Um, I thought it was the most beautiful, beautiful thing I'd ever heard. Um, People were on stage screaming, which I didn't even know what that was or if that was even considered music. Uh, I never really heard like a, a double bass pedal on a drum kit before. Okay. Um, I'd never heard a breakdown. So everything that goes into metalcore um, was kind of shown me shown to me that night. And um, I loved every second of it. So ever since then, whenever I find a band that has breakdowns and or screaming in it, I'm probably going to like some aspect of the music that they put out. As far as how that made you feel, you used the word beautiful, and I love to hear people's perceptions of music, because it varies. A lot of people are into jazz, a lot of people can't stand heavy metal. I love jazz, and I love heavy metal. Yeah. And when when that happened, um, did it feel like something that relaxed you, invigorated you, inspired you? Like, Give me a little bit more about that whole beautiful thing, about what you felt when you heard it. That's That's cool. Sure. Yeah. As soon as um, as soon as the music started, I just remember standing there, kind of in awe, with my jaw on the floor, that people were so talented that they could do something like this, and that people actually wanted to come see it, other than me. Um, I didn't realize that some that music up until then, music I thought was okay, like I enjoyed it for sure, but I wasn't like heavy into it. Um, but 
just the combination of, I mean, like you said, it definitely invigorated me, gave me energy, and made me excited about, um, excited to be alive and excited to go back to another show. So it just, it gave me a lot of emotions, which at the time, I definitely didn't really know even how to comprehend, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I just remember feeling excited and wanting more of it. Cool. That's awesome. Let me ask both, and this is a question for both of you guys. Are both of you good at math? <laughs> I am yeah, good, inclined to math. Um, I'm in college right now. I'm studying computer science, and I am one of those people who thinks calculus is really cool. <laughs> okay, it's a it's a r- running theory that we yeah, have. It, it's a running theory, and this is something and I'm horrible at math. <laughs> oh, I stink at math. I'm I'm terrible at it, but other things I can do, I can do pretty good. A theory that Dan and I have had, and we've asked this, and we I even asked this to another guy that's a friend of mine. He's, he's had a metalcore band, and he was a math major. And what we've discovered is that a lot of people that are into metalcore, that are into the more intricate forms of heavy metal, are very, very good at math. So yeah. there's that's something that we're going to be exploring. That, the guys and gals that play it, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, now, how I got into it, um, and I'm not good at math, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's something about the way that people receive and, and perceive. I know I can relate to the invigoration. I feel I'm ADD, and Glenn is like extreme linear focus, right? Or polar opposites. But when I listened to metal in, um, I remember in college, I would have to listen to metal to study. It was like ADD meds for me. It really was. It would bring me in. It was so much going on, so much order and um, chaos at the same time that it really kind of did that. But yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Now, my next question about that is Christian Metalcore. How did you find that and find yourselves getting into that? Gianni, do you want to answer first? Yeah, I can talk on that. Um, So my first introduction to Metalcore in general was from Shane. Um, He's seven years older than me. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, ish. So me growing up, I heard the loud scary music coming from his bedroom (laughs) (laughs) i didn't really know what it was but i was kind of intrigued by it so i started to kind of listen to it on my own when i started discovering music in general and uh some of the first like christian metalcore bands i heard were like for today and august burns red okay bands in that zone Mm -hmm. and it was cool to me because i had heard these other metal bands and like me being in middle school and growing up in a christian home i was like i can't listen to the metal that has bad words in it Uh like there's only got to be one bad word per song other than that (laughs) (laughs) so when i finally found out that there were christians making this music that were talking about all these great things about god i was like whoa this is a whole different zone and Hmm. i found out that like a very kind of tight-knit community around that subgenre. As far as the people, especially Christians that are that play that type of music that you guys look up to or that you're into, um, do you get like the fact that they're pretty real in the sense of just legit individuals? They're not. Um, I, I remember in the early, I don't know, early '90s, late '80s. I was into a lot of Christian music, a lot of Christian punk and metal bands, and the majority of them were very legit. Mm-hmm. They were they were good musicians at whatever level they were at in the, the business or the ministry, whatever they were doing it for. And but there were a few that were kind of posing it. Yep. And they didn't seem to be really real with the Lord. And they but I I've noticed that especially on heavier music side, that the guys seem to be really way more legit than yep. the poppy stuff. What is y'all's feeling? Did y'all run into a lot of authentic people that were into 
um, that sort of metal Christian wise? So for me, I think it honestly, it, it really depends on, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like where the world is or even the country is at the time. So say like 10 years ago in the late 2000s, early, um, like 2010, 2011, there were so many Christian metal bands that it was ridiculous. There was uh, you could go to a Christian metal music festival in the summertime. I mean, you could find one every couple of weeks. Um, just in my area alone, there was Cornerstone, uh, Purple Door, uh, Rev Gen, I Matter, and those are just ones that I can think of off the top of my head. So back then, it was actually considered cool to be in a Christian metal band, to have your lyrics just be uh, Bible verses that are just you know taken right out and thrown into your, uh, your song. Hmm. So, I mean, there was a lot of Christian metal bands, and it was the cool thing to do back then. But nowadays, there's way less Christian metal available, in my, in my opinion, from what I can see. And um, the bands that are legit are the bands that are still doing it, like August Bringeret or Four Today or Memphis Mayfire. The bands that um, back then they were doing it, and now they're still doing it. Because there was a lot of bands back then that um, a band like I don't a band like Underworld uh, that back then they were they were big Christians and they didn't curse and they were talk about God and stuff. And now they kind of just do their own thing and they throw the F word into their their lyrics. And um, so it's just interesting, I guess. It depends on the climate of the scene at the time. For whether bands decide to do, uh, to proclaim their faith in their music and whether they decide not to. And a lot of bands, like uh, on stage, they might talk about God or talk about their lyrics and talk about uh, their faith. But then when you talk to them afterwards or see them in between shows or whatever it is, they're not living it. And it's pretty easy to pick it out. So gotcha. I guess it's just, you know, you kind of got to do it based on your own judgment. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. And that's good for our listeners to know, too. Well, it's definitely the second guest's that have mentioned August Burns Red. I got to I got to get into You got to get yourself into okay. some August Burns Red, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So what is it about metalcore that gives you the freedom to reach people with the truth that is found in scripture? I'd say that it's a different way to approach people who wouldn't normally be willing to receive that kind of message. Um like in the local scene, so we're from Baltimore and uh there's a lot of venues around here, a lot of metal bands, um, and the kind of people that come to those shows um, are not normally the type of people you'd see sitting in church on Sunday morning, um, which gives us kind of a unique opportunity to share the message with them in a way that's relatable to them, that doesn't come with a lot of the stereotypes that are associated with Christianity as a whole in America. Yeah, um- and just to kind of add on to what he just said, uh, because it's a lot of different people that come to the shows that we play, and um, definitely not people that you normally see on a Sunday service, um, it, it's interesting to see the shift in that before we play, um, a lot of the, the people at the show and a lot of people working in the venue kind of look at us as kids or as like the newbies or just, you know, just people that don't really deserve recognition or respect or even like to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and then we'll go up on stage and i mean i I go all out every every show and gianni does too and um i say we take our music and our performance very seriously uh we we do our absolute best and um so when we walk off stage even if they didn't love our music or didn't really connect with what we're trying to do they at least take us much more seriously and and when you talk to people afterwards there's definitely newfound respect there and um I never curse on stage, and a lot of our lyrics are, are faith-driven. So if, if people ask about it afterwards, after they've heard us play, it's interesting to be able to tell them where the lyrics come from and where our faith stands, because then they look at it differently, because in their minds, Christians are, 
you know, old white guys that go to church on Sundays and ask for your money. Yeah. But when they talk to you after something like that, and we just explain to them that, that, no, that's not how it is that, you know, we just, we follow Christ with all our hearts. Um, it's interesting to see them take it a little bit more seriously than the rest of their lives. And whenever they come up with it, they kind of turn an eye to it. That's great. It's so refreshing, you yeah. know, because that when people get hardened or the church just gets off and they do, and then it's that, whatever happens and it gets muted, people don't listen to it. And you hear somebody that's for real, God touches them, they get on stage, they bring the integrity of of who they're serving and and they get, God will minister through that music and it's awesome. And that's one of the things that really strikes me about metalcore. And I have to go back to what Dan and I have talked about in the past on our podcast about John the Baptist. Because when John the Baptist came on the scene, he did not speak. He did not cry in a manner as the religious establishment did. He was a wild man in the wilderness. And if you take a look at the, how it describes how John cried in the wilderness, it was a brutish vocalization is, is what it meant in the Greek when you take a look at that. Hmm. So his message to cut through all of the religiosity that was out there to reach the people that were turned away by the church— it cut through the ether in, in a different way, and it affected them. And when I hear you guys uh, with Brotherhood and other really genuine Christian metalcore bands, that's what comes to mind to me. Now, you have to understand, Dan and I, when we were growing up, we grew up on glam metal in, in a lot of ways. Right. You know, it was, it, was, it was melodic, you know, Def Leppard and Quiet Riot and Motley Crue yeah. and Black you know, Sabbath. It was yeah. good stuff. But, but they didn't like, play Black Sabbath on the radio very often. Much, it did yeah. not get the radio play that and it needed. And especially, I grew up in church probably more than you did as far you as did. that. And it was like, you want to talk about inviting the devil into your home. If you listen to anything too hard, you yeah. know, it was like... You better watch out. It was horrible. It was it was very controversial. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, y'all are so young. It was a big deal. If you listen to like Christian punk or Christian heavy metal, I was very into it. And it was like new, new, new. It was bad. Yeah. Really bad. Have you guys had any of that controversy? Uh, anybody tried to dissuade you and tell you, well, metalcore and God don't go together? Has that happened with you guys? No, not from anyone in my life that I take seriously, if that makes sense. Like um, my parents were always really, our parents were always really good about um, if I said I wanted to go to a show or wanted to buy a CD or whatever it was, they wouldn't just listen to the music or they wouldn't even really listen. to it. They would just look up the lyrics and look at whatever the band was talking about and preaching. If they looked up the lyrics and it was, you know, horrible and op- F-bombs left and right, they, they would try to dissuade me. More so, I think, because if I go to that show, I might, you know, it's going to be a more dangerous scene. Um, but if they looked up the lyrics and the, the, they're talking about, you know, love or, and God and, you know, loving one another and everything, it doesn't matter what the music sounds like. It's, it's more so whatever the message is. Um, every once in a while, like a buddy's mo- parent or, you know, someone that I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat close to might hear my music and say, what is that, devil worship? And I don't even take it seriously because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely ridiculous. I well, agree you know, from that. an artistic perspective, if I go to a show mm-hmm. and it... But let's say all the bands are secular or, you know, they don't profess Christ, but it's, you know, going to be good music. The second that somebody gets up on stage, grabs the mic and uses the F word three or four times to try to get the crowd riled up, I'm already not interested. I'm already right. know that something's going to, the, the mojo is going to be lacking. They're compensating yeah, they're already. Compensating. And it's like, I like it. I saw uh, Johnny Lang the other day, blues, and he's a Christian. He's a 
you know, wonderful uh, brother in the Lord, but he will absolutely bring it with blues. And uh, the second he got up there, he didn't say anything. And then he just brought it. And you're like, wow. And then you could tell with his attitude, his love towards the crowd, his band members, his humility. It was just, it was, he was so Christ-like. So that's, that's good stuff. That's awesome. And I I definitely agree that if a band gets up there and just starts saying F words, every other word, just like you said, it gets the crowd excited. To me, it just comes off as you're just, you're being lazy and uncreative and I don't know, you just don't have anything else to say. Yeah, exactly. Fighting a little bit of an uphill battle, like with the message you're bringing as a Christian, because that's not something that's going to immediately connect with a lot of people. You know, if you get up there and your lyrics are about like a common experience or something, um, people might be willing to connect right away. But if your lyrics are about how God has saved you, like odds are, if you're at a local show, that's not going to be most of the crowd. So then you need to kind of make up for that with your performance and your music. So it kind of gives us a little bit of something to work for to be able to cut through a little bit more and still reach people with the music. That's great. I think metal fans, from our experience, they're different people. Yes. They're, yeah. they're different than a lot of other demographics. And I think they pick up on the subtleties. For example, if, if a lot of metalcore lyrics are hard to understand or impossible to understand, like in the middle of a concert a lot of those guys are going to go and read every single line upon them if they mm-hmm. get an album or they are going to try to listen. And they're just different people and super nice. From Are most of the metal crowds that y'all are around, I mean, you mentioned there are rougher crowds. We get that. But um, it seems like the places that Glenn and I have gone, I'm blown away. Cause I, I feel more comfortable at them at, than I do at some churches. I, that's true. <laughs> and, I totally agree. And it's funny you say that because actually the – the rudest people that we see at the shows we either play or go to are usually the ba- the other bands playing and the people working at the venue. The, the fans themselves are, they couldn't be nicer. They're very polite. They are. Um, yeah. Even if the crowds are, are rough in that, you know, there, there's a, a mosh pit going on or people are, are bumping around. If someone pulls over, they're, they're, everyone, or if someone falls over, I mean, um, the fans are, are really quick to kind of stop and pull that guy up and make sure they're okay. And everyone is very uh, self-correcting. And making sure that everyone feels safe and secure and, you know, just kind of at home with uh, the rest of the crowd because the metal community is pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, it is a very Especially. small uh, zip code, as Dan told me one time. And we've been yeah. we've been learning that you uh, would kind of run into the, you know, it's, it's just a small zip code. Oh, yeah. And, and you're like yeah. just a few steps away from, oh, yeah, I know that guy and he's there and he knows these three other bands. And so it's it's a family, you know, in a sense. It is. Definitely. When Gianni and I go to shows, we normally can pick out several people in the crowd where we're like, oh, we, we see the, them at shows all the time. Do you guys have any testimonies of people being affected by your music that have reached out to you and said, hey, your song helped me through a rough time or your, your song and your performance helped me see, see truth? So we've gotten a few messages on Bandcamp from people just like saying, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Like, it's great to hear a metal band proclaiming Christ in this way. Um, as far as like at shows and stuff, um, we haven't had like a direct spiritual conversation or at least I haven't, but we definitely get the opportunity to listen to people Mm -hmm. and I think people approach us differently. Like a lot, our lyrics are very Christ centered usually. Um, so they're, they're kind of interested in what we have to say and they kind of look at us a different way. Um, and 
a lot of the people at these shows like might not have a strong community outside of the metal community. Um, just cause that's the kind of people metal generally attracts. And, uh, so being able to kind of talk to people, listen to them, hear their stories and just kind of be an example of how Christ went to other people and just loved on them, talk to them about the things that they're interested in and try to make meaningful connections, be nice to people. That's great. That's I mean, awesome. that could seem like such a, a small thing and it's really not because no. what I've noticed there's so many people that are so gripped in loneliness. They don't have anybody in their life that, that is, could touch them with the true love of Christ. And they're really suffering. And when you reach out with kindness to a lonely guy at a, or gal at a, at a metal show, and then they genuinely receive that, that's, that's the light in the darkness. It really is, you know, and then I believe God moves on that in a way to minister, to draw them, you know, closer to him. That's good. And I'm really encouraged that you guys approach people with kindness and love because that is something that is so lacking in a lot of Christian circles today. And as we've been doing this show and as we've been, Dan and I, as you may or may not know, we were once pastors at at one time and God had to deal with us in in quite of a, I'd say almost a a harsh way in, in some ways to get us to break our hard hearts towards people. Um, you know, we look at some things that we did in the past and preached and everything like and that. I am ashamed, bro. Yeah. 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 And we were lacking love. Yeah. And that you guys are doing that, it just really encourages my heart because that is the common thread that I've been hearing with all of the Christian artists and some of the other ministries that we've been working with and reaching out to is that common thread of just loving and caring and just going back to what has become more prevalent to me in scripture is that Jesus never preached against a lost person hmm. he only preached against the religious establishment yeah I true. totally agree yeah and uh yeah you you, you nailed it man it, it all comes back to love whenever we, we uh go to a new venue or have a new sound guy or whatever it is and um Ninety-nine percent of the time, when you show up at a new venue and the place isn't familiar with you, they're not going to like you right off the bat because they're they're going to assume you're you're a new band that doesn't know what they're doing and you're just going to get in the way. You're going to put on a crappy performance and just kind of embarrass yourselves. Um, so they don't take you seriously. They they are annoyed that you have a bigger drum kit or you have a, a bass amp in addition to a, a guitar amp or whatever it is. And usually they're hungover and just don't want to be there and you know, etc. And so it. The, the initial reaction when they treat you like that is to kind of like be standoffish and tell them, hey, come on, man, like leave me alone or take your job seriously, whatever it is. But if you respond with love and let them know, hey, it's all good, whatever you need, and just, you know, do your best to, like you said, just kind of treat everyone equally and, and with a, an open, kind heart, that usually switches them around and makes them realize like, all right, well, these are just other humans doing their best in their life. And, um, you know, we're all in this together. And that's so true. And you know, though I'm saved and, and, and Dan is saved and we, 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 you know, we follow the Lord, we're prone to the same things that everybody else is. Yeah. You know, we're not any better than anybody else is really what it, what it comes well, that, to. We don't judge 
people the way that we did. And, and righteous judgment is commanded. We know mm-hmm. that. I mean, how do you even know who to minister to? You try to discern, but it's got to have that motivation of love. It's got to have that thing of going like, give me a break, dude. <laughs> you know, when somebody mentioned one of our other podcasts, you're talking about, oh, we're going to judge angels. And I was like, I can't even remember my car keys. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to judge angels, right? Yeah. And I was like, and I'm so prone to be able to do this or to do this or to have... Um, I don't know. It's just amazing that we get our frock and a wad about musical types, mm-hmm. all the peripheral details when, you know, what's really wicked is unforgiveness. Yes. What's really wicked is is judging someone unredemptively or irredemptively. Yes. Help me, linear dude. Is it ear or un? Hey, it's, it's either one. You, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm hitting as much know. caffeine as I can right now. So it's been, a, been an interesting no, That's, that's exciting. You guys are really refreshing. I, I, I hear the zeal of, of the Lord in you. It's awesome. It's exciting. Uh, for our November Black Friday edition, you guys re- actually redid your song Disappointment for us. And I absolutely love that song. Yeah. What was it that inspired it? Um. So the lyrics are actually loosely, I I first wrote, um, that was the first song I ever wrote uh, lyrics for, and I wrote them, I want to say like 10 years ago at this point, back when I was in high school, and um, I wasn't even, I was into music at the time, but I definitely wasn't uh, musically inclined, As I I wasn't a musician yet, Um, but for whatever reason, I don't remember why I wrote them down, but I wrote down these lyrics because I was looking around and, and looking at the world at the time. And since then, it's only gotten different, but it's still the same kind of uh, message. It holds true that the, the the whole idea is that the world and the people in the world, God created all of this and all of us. But the way that it is now, is this what he had in mind? And, and from what he's looking down on, the, what we've turned into, is this what is he proud? I guess at the end of the day, is he proud of what we look like because we were created in his own image but since then and we've been left to our own devices and um while there's definitely hope and love it's you got to look to find it sometimes um so i guess that's what the lyrics are kind of based on um instrumentally gianni can probably talk a little bit more about that but mostly it's a just a simple pump up song i guess yeah that was that was the first song brotherhood wrote together um i got an electric guitar in high school and started playing it. And it wasn't until, I guess, my freshman year of college that Shane sent me a clip of himself like doing some harsh vocals to something. And I was like, why don't we make music together? Like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we recorded this really crappy song that I had written um, all by myself. And oh, it was really bad. But then... I was like, well, this is fun. We should do this again sometime. And I wrote that intro riff, um, just very heavily ripping off Devastator by Four Today. Um, <laughs> with that song, that's basically what we were going for. The the point about the lyrics that really stood out to me, and I noticed this when we, when we played it, what was that, last week or the week before? Whenever we did it. Anyway, um, the part that you were talking about is like, is this, um, are you pleased like... Uh, this is not the way what you were thinking when you made us or made the world or even like in reference to America, you know, and I really like that because I remember like thinking and meditating on that concept of what is holiness, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really believe that holiness is 
what was in God's imagination when he spoke all of us and all of it and the cosmos and everything into existence. And when it talks about the word, it's um, helped me, you know, where it's going to come back. It does not return void. It does not return void. Thank you. And, And in that sense, we're being judged based off of his original spoken imaginings, right? And when he set that forth we're kind of in between the word and a hard place, right? Mm, right? And that's what redemption has, that he makes us from the inside out what we were originally to be, right? Exactly. And, um, so that as soon as I heard that and read the lyrics, um, it really stirred that in me. And, and I didn't, I was, my question was actually going to be, were you talking more about America or were you talking more, and you answered it with your comments, you were, you're talking about God and, and all of it. It's a mess out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's an absolute mess. It's amazing that we have any revelation of God whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's dark. It's it's very dark. So something that I find very unique about your albums is that you use instrumentals. There there's some tracks that are instrumentals, and this really kind of shows people that hey, these guys are musically talented. They got they got some chops. I, I like that. Uh, can you talk about the role that these ins- instrumentals play on your albums? Me, as a songwriter in general, I write most of the music um, for Brotherhood. Uh, Our bassist writes some riffs as well. Um, But my first start in music was piano. Um, I was forced to take piano lessons as a kid. (laughs) Me Um, too. I hated it. Uh, (laughs) And I actually almost quit when I was like 10 and left music behind entirely. Thank God he didn't. (laughs) Yeah. My piano teacher said you should try composing a piece you might like doing something like that so i wrote this really basic piece that had two chords in it and like five melody notes and i was so proud of it and that kind of sent me on a path of writing instrumental music um so for a while before i'm gonna interject real quick gianni's he's being really humble he's like an unbelievable uh piano player Sometimes he sits down and plays stuff where I'm like, dude, you got to have 20 fingers to be able to play that. He's, he's <laughs> unreal. Anyway, huh. go ahead, Gian. Um, <laughs> so awesome. A lot of the early stuff I wrote, I was into video game music and um, movie soundtracks. So I tried to write these big, sweeping orchestral scores. Um, and I did that for a while before I like really discovered metal. Um, and once I started playing and writing metal, I wanted to find a way to kind of incorporate what ca- captured me from those soundtracks into metal. So a lot of like the instrumental tracks we do, uh, like the opening to our EP Heroes is this choral thing that builds into the first track. Yes. Uh, that's that's always something I've really enjoyed is like being able to kind of tell a story in the music um, before any words even come in. Cool. It's really interesting that you say that you were forced to take piano <laughs> lessons because I jumped in and I said... I, I did too, and I tried to quit I don't know how many times playing piano. But then you said something else that really resonates within me, and I think a lot of other people that are in metal, that they can say this as well, especially ones that have played musical instruments. I was totally captivated by the Batman soundtrack, the one with uh, Jack Nicholson in it, the one that Danny Elfman did. Yeah. It was dark. Yeah. It was sweeping. It was awesome. And I had a Casio keyboard. And I tried my hardest to write something and, and develop something like that. And guess what? It never happened. <laughs> so here I am <laughs> on this side of music. You know what it, it made me think of? Even last week, our podcast from last week, the first part of it, 
first portion at the beginning we were goofing around yep. and glenn was telling me he was like yeah when i was taking piano lessons my mom would always come in and i'm like playing these like dark yep. ominous sounding minor keys and she would be like why do you <laughs> why do you, why always, do you always play, play minor, minor keys you know, so <laughs> we put a spoof at the beginning of our podcast and it's me going because i'm destined to be a metalhead yeah. mother you know and it's uh that's pretty cool that's piano is is kind of um it's different. I was drawn to the piano at like the age of four, and I'm not a great player, but I just played by ear. But it was just, it was a way I could connect emotionally and just express myself. And and um, I'm not talented enough to write metal, so I don't. But I, I try other things. But it's just, um, no, I get it. Maybe when you get a new body. Oh yeah, you, you'll oh, be yeah. able to. You'll yeah, be able when to. I'm judging angels. You'll for the rest be writing of the day. metal at the same time. And that finding you're doing. my keys, you know, would be great. <laughs> so 2018 was a pretty big year for Brotherhood. In June, I noticed that you opened up for Insomnium and Oceans of Slumber, and I, I really like Oceans of Slumber. Uh, what was it like for you guys to play that show, and how did how did the crowd receive you? So it, it's interesting because um, Insomnium and Oceans of Slumber aren't. They're definitely they're obviously metal, but they're definitely not metalcore. So it's right. not quite their their audience isn't quite set up to to enjoy us. Um, but I will say we played plenty of shows where the audience is there for a headliner that's not quite the same subgenre as us. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we whenever we go out, if we just play our absolute hardest and you know have a good set and put it leave it all out on the stage, um, some people will like us, some people won't. But the entire audience normally will at least respect that we're doing our best. And um, respect that we're, you know, not not just another local band that, that doesn't know what, what they're doing. Um, so that show was good. The crowd seemed to enjoy us. Um, we didn't get any mosh pits going. Actually, that venue doesn't allow mosh pits anymore because someone got stabbed, apparently. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, that would bring an end to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll definitely, yeah. Um, that, it was a really cool show. Good, Johnny. It was a really cool show for me because Insomnium was one of the first metal bands I really got attached to. Um, I, In my early metal years, I listened to a, a lot of metalcore, but I was also super into the European melodic death metal stuff. So like In Flames and Dark Tranquility, Insomnium. I love all that kind of stuff. So to like open up for one of my high school like favorite bands, it was totally unreal. Did you guys get to talk to those guys at all? So... <laughs> Uh, that's kind of funny. So Insomnium, um, they speak a little bit of English. They're, um, Gianni, are they Swedish? Finnish? Finnish. Finnish, yeah. Um, so they speak a little bit of English. So they, they can get by, but they're definitely not fluent. Um, and plus also, whenever like we open up for like a bigger band or a touring band, we try to leave them alone because they're, they're probably tired and need a shower and hungry and kind of annoyed. <laughs> so, and plus we're just a local band, so we just kind of, we give them their space. Um, but... Shortly after uh, Insomnium had their meet and greet, they were all sitting at their uh, their merch table, mm-hmm. and um, good friends of ours in the band called uh, Paid in Full. Uh, they were on that that bill as well, and they brought a big can of uh, Old Bay to give them to just kind of let them know, like this is what we were famous for in Maryland. Um, put this on, you know, your pizza, or your burgers, or whatever, and just kind of keep it with you, just you know, to be nice. So they walked over to introduce themselves, and um, Gianni's actually good buddies with a guy named Jake who speaks. Fluent Finnish? Is that true, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah, so um, so the band uh, Paid in Full walked over there with Jake and um, had him translate and said, hey, we, we brought you something from Maryland. This is a gift to you. 
and they were really polite and kind of accepted it, but you could tell they were extremely confused while we were giving them a can of seasoning. Um, <laughs> they, kind of, they kind of looked at it and went, Old the Bay seasoning, and kind of looked at them like, so... Expecting it to like give you hallucinations. (laughs) They were very confused, and it was extremely awkward. And they kind of went, "All right, thanks." Just (laughs) stared at. It was really awkward. So we we met them briefly. Nice guys, but definitely confused. I (laughs) bet they will never forget that. I hope. I hope. (laughs) Next time, just greet him with a live crab. Yeah, (laughs) I can. I can see the Insomnium documentary on DVD now. They're talking about the seasoning. (laughs) So, what has impacted you most in the past decade? (laughs) The seasoning. We don't grill without it. (laughs) The guy develops like an addiction. He's checking into rehab, back into Trembling Hills because he can't get off the stuff. Get off the old man. Old man, his teeth like those kids in Maryland, man. That's good. Now, something else that you did is you played during the Karen Crawford Benefit Concert at Cornerstone Church in Maryland. And this was brought to our attention because a mutual friend of Dan and I, uh, Sarah Beth, uh, we actually pastored her and her family for for a while. Um, She was there, and she's, she's not into metal, but she liked what you guys were doing and was just really awestruck that you guys were there helping out with this benefit concert uh can you tell us a little bit about karen and the concert that you participate in in september sure um actually so my wife's name is marcy and her uh her maiden name is crawford okay so uh karen crawford is her aunt and um back in july or august i want to say um we were told that she was diagnosed with a, a rare very deadly form of cancer um, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. It's a really long word that I can't pronounce even when I'm looking at it. Um, but basically, the doctors kind of told her that um, she had maybe a year um, uh-huh. with treatment. Um, without treatment, she had just a couple months. And um, and that here in America, uh, she was going to get treatment, but it was basically the treatment's just going to give her a few more months. Um, but there was a, uh, a tri- an experimental treatment going on in Mexico with American doctors that okay. was uninsured. Um, where from what I understand, it sounds like they, instead of just giving her chemo, they inject it directly into the cancerous uh, masses that she had in her brain. I'm probably really messing up the explanation here, but that was kind of the gist of it. Yeah. So she went down to Mexico to receive this experimental treatment and um, was down there for a few weeks. And every week was like $5,000 or something with the oh, wow. lodging and the treatment and everything. So um yeah the bills racked up very very quick and the entire family was pitching in but a lot of people were draining their uh, savings account and um at the end of august or i guess early august marcy kind of said we gotta i wish we could do something more because i mean we're definitely not rich so we couldn't like just give them a, a bucket of money um but we talked about doing some kind of concert putting together some kind of benefit where we could have a silent auction we could have some food trucks come out to like feed everyone and kind of we could have some like disc golf or whatever, just have a big event that people could come to, a couple bands could play. And um, luckily, a lot of our friends are very um, uh, talented when it comes to, to music. Our, our good buddy Jason has a band. Um, Gianni and his uh, fiance have a, an acoustic duo, like a folk duo. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, so we kind of we talked to, the, to Cornerstone the Church about using the space. Um, they were really generous and really nice and said yes right away. We picked a date. Um, I called a couple of restaurants and got some food trucks out. And um, a lot of people put together 
uh, baskets and other stuff to put into the, the silent auction. Um, like Chick-fil-A donated a basket. Uh, a lot of people that are friends with people that have small businesses donated baskets. And um, we raised a lot of money. And uh, so from the time that we decided that we should do that to the actual concert was like a month. So we really wow. couldn't put it together pretty quickly and um, had a good turnout and was able to give um, the Karen Crawford, uh, I want to say it was like close to $2,000 just off that concert. And we didn't charge any uh, – Tickets were free. It was just, you know, we're, we're accepting donations. So a, a lot of people were very generous with giving, and um, it went really well. That, that's wonderful. That's awesome. And that's the love of Christ right there. Yeah, totally. That you, that you guys did that. And it's really cool. That's the other thing that we're seeing is that through how people are being ministered through what metal musicians are doing. And you've, you've you touched a life with that and, and by doing that. And how is Karen today? So... Uh, definitely not. She's back in um, America. She got back a month or two ago. Um, she's back home. I mean, the the in Mexico, they they kind of I think they um, shrunk the 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 tumors a little bit, but it, it became kind of clear um, that it, it was just kind of delaying everything. So she's back home now. A few weeks ago, I think she was recovering a little bit, but to be completely honest, I mean, it's. it's she might make it till next summer, but that would be that that would be surprising. So I mean, it's it's sad and it's it's really a, a harsh reality of life. But um, we're just trying to love her as much as we can, and um, I think yeah. it's good that she's back here with her family rather than in, in, in a foreign country um, receiving you know experimental treatment that I'm sure isn't easy to go through. No, no, no. Wow. Well, man, may so the Lord. Every, every moment's precious. You yeah. Know, so. Y'all helped her have more. So yeah, and may the Lord bless you for what for what you, you've done for. Her. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. And something else that I want to talk about is what you guys got have coming up in the future for your band. So what what do we have on the horizon as we launch into 2019? We're getting old. Dude. We're getting old. Okay, 20, <laughs> you guys might not be, but but, but we are 2019. Um. So right now we're actually uh, deep into writing for our we, – we have two EPs out right now, like on Spotify and iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're writing a full-length album that we we hope to put out next summer. Um, right now we have – Gianni, how many songs do we have finished? I think we have like six or seven songs pretty much done. And three or four like halfway done, I'd say. So we, we, yeah. we want to put together a full-length um, 11 song with maybe like an intro or something uh album um so hopefully we we, we want to get that written and finished by about january so that we can start recording and getting it mixed and everything so that it's ready to go by uh, the summer so whenever we're writing whenever we're hardcore writing and trying to meet uh, every other week to, to to write for a couple hours we don't usually do shows because if we have a show coming up we focus more on rehearsing and making sure our set's tight so right now we're taking a break from playing live stuff and just focusing on writing I want to talk to you about um, your Heroes EP that you have out, and we want to play for our listeners the song Queen. And what I found interesting is that this song was inspired by the Chronicles of Narnia, which is pretty cool. Um, what's the message that you're conveying through this song, Queen? I, I really like the lyrics to it, so if you could share that with us, that would be great. I write most of the lyrics for our for our songs, but this is the, one of the only songs Gianni wrote lyrics on, so I'll let him take it away. Yeah, I just want to say, I think you're the first person that said that it's cool that we <laughs> used to talk, 
Narnia. Um, so as we were going through, like trying to decide what we wanted to write about for that EP, we were thinking about like different characters um, that would be cool to kind of have a song about. And uh, one of the things that one of the characters that always kind of made an impact on me um, when I was younger was uh, Edmund from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, just growing up for anybody who doesn't know the story, he finds himself in this magical land in Narnia. Um, and this queen offers him these Turkish delights, um, which I, as a kid, I thought those were disgusting. So I didn't know why <laughs> I tried to do something with those, but he basically sells his family into like getting captured by this queen for these Turkish delights. Um, and the queen keeps promising him more and more, um, as long as he keeps complying, but then he ends up kind of getting turned on by the queen and finds himself in a really bad situation. Um, and as a kid that, that never really connected with me for like the broader life meaning of that. Um, but now as I'm older and I read other works by CS Lewis, mm -hmm. I realize how amazing he is at conveying actual life truths through simple stories like that. Oh, he's an absolute so, was an absolute genius. Yeah. So that, that story always kind of stuck with me. So I wanted to write a song um, from the perspective of Edmund and the Queen. So the first half of the song is kind of about the Queen tempting Edmund, just saying, like, I can give you what you want. Um, you just need to do this one thing for me, and then you'll be free to go. And um, then there's a big, long instrumental part kind of symbolizing all that taking place and Edmund realizing that it's not working out for him that he's been giving more and more and doesn't have anything left um and the second half is from edmund's perspective saying like i don't want what you have to offer anymore and kind of finding redemption in aslan who is god mm -hmm. yeah that's that highlights a really profound microcosm i mean just the whole fall of man and the yeah. redemption and and from a casting perspective the um i don't know if you've ever like they had the movies, you know, yes. the, these guys are so young. I'm sure they've seen the, 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 you know, whenever those movies came out 10 years ago, five years ago, but there was a one that was done, a cartoon version that was mm -hmm. done. I want to say in the seventies Okay. and the voice casting for that particular queen is awesome. I mean, she is everything that, that I think about when I hear him talking about that, it, it captured it way even more. Than, and they did a good job in the movie, I believe. But, boy, she's chilling, man. It's yeah. really, really good. And I like the microcosm. And I, that was really what was hitting home to me as I was listening to Queen the other day and taking a look at the lyrics. And I think it's something that will be able to minister to all of our listeners where, wherever they stand. <laughs> I, I, I dated a girl for a while that was really into the Chronicles of Narnia and that's all she talked about. So was she an elf or an actual like <laughs> she was she was an, she was an elf. You you met her when we were dating? That was a long that was a long time ago. That was even before we were Pastor Dan and Pastor oh, okay. Glenn. That was we're talking ancient history to these guys oh, on man. the other end here. So love you guys, but you'll make us feel old. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about Mosh Pit, I'm like, oh that's a trip to the chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> we call it slam dancing slam dancing back, back in the day, day. back in the some day some people still call it that they're okay. weirdos though. okay <laughs> retro <laughs> for our listeners to uh get your albums and, and your work where can they go to find find your music we are on spotify itunes facebook uh instagram and Bandcamp. if you search 
Brotherhood. It's it's kind of it's kind of hard to find, but if you search like Brotherhood Heroes, then that'll probably pop up our Heroes EP. And um, the cover the cover art is uh, the Baltimore skyline. So um, that's how you find it.